Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I read a Stoic entry every morning. I love the Stoic uh, philosophers, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus, uh, Zeno of Sidium, brilliant philosophers. I love philosophy and theology. And to me, this is just a wonderful book, even as a bathroom read. One of my favorite Stoic philosophies is picking a kato. If you remember the famous Stoic philosopher kato, the, the saying pick a kato means pick someone that sets the example for how you want to live. So what would X do in this situation? So that way, anytime you come across a difficult decision, kato is a very famous one that a lot of people pick. Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week, I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast today. We have a very special guest. He made the Forbes list under the law and policy category in 2020. He is a B-52 Strata Fortress pilot and flight commander. He's only the third military member ever selected to the Forbes list. He's flown combat missions against ISIS and the Taliban and previously served as the executive officer of the Department of Defense's largest bomb group. In 2018, he was selected as the Air Force Times Airman of the Year, and he was recently nominated to serve as the next chairman of the Company Grade Officers Council for all 49,000 captains and lieutenants in the Air Force and even Space Force, and to directly advise military leaders at the Pentagon. He was also recently featured in the ABC documentary, Everyday Heroes, Please welcome my very special guest, Julian. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate being here. Very excited to have you. It's my pleasure. I'm honored. And I think you are the first guest to be under the law and policy category. So I'm very excited to share your story with the audience. But, you know, one of the things I'm curious about before we jump in is this B-52 thing. I mean, I've been hearing yeah. about the B-52 plane. It's been in service since 1952. Can you tell me about this aircraft? Because apparently, you know, this has been in service for over 60 years, and I can't think of another aircraft model that has been in service for this long, and they're still using it. The B-52 is an incredible aircraft. Uh, when I dropped the B-52 out of pilot training, when we have the opportunity at the end to find out what aircraft are gonna fly, I was so excited because it's getting to fly what's truly a part of history. The B-52 has been active during the Cold War, where it was used in airborne alert missions through what was called Operation Chrome Dome, during the Vietnam War, uh, Operation Enduring Freedom, Iraqi Freedom. It's just a marvelous aircraft, and it has been in service a very long time for decades, but still extremely capable, getting upgraded all the time, and it's a challenge to fly. It's a, it's a really large aircraft. These can weigh up to 488,000 pounds, 152-foot wingspan, I believe, and carries 49,000 gallons of fuel. 
They're, they're absolutely massive. And it's the only airplane in the world with eight engines. So flying it, you would think it's very slow and lumbering, but it's actually a, a very powerful aircraft, can carry all sorts of different ordnance or munitions, wide variety of different mission sets. It's, it's really an honor to fly it with some of the best crew members that challenge me to be better every day. Well, thank you to the creator of the B-52. It sounds like they did a phenomenal job and, and sets yeah. the, the bar pretty high for who's creating the next aircraft or next version of it. And thank you to you for your service. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. My father was a 101st Airborne Screaming Eagle paratrooper in the U.S. Yeah. Army. So um, I, I always have a lot of respect for those in the military, those that serve. And I'm really grateful to get to know you more. Um, speaking of the Forbes list, by the way, where were you when you first found out you were on the list? That is, uh, is an interesting one. So uh, I'm calling in right now from my guest room slash office. So the half that's facing me with this flag that flew in World War II on a bomber with the 48 stars uh, is the guest room portion. But I was renovating the master bedroom, uh, sleeping over here. Woke up late because I had to do a, a night flight. So I was going to be flying low level over the ocean, practicing, doing some training for different mission sets that we can do over the water. I rolled over and checked my phone and I had an email from the editor-in-chief of Forbes. And I looked at it and then went, no, that can't possibly be right. Checked it over again and went, well, I should probably tell somebody about this before it's out of hand. So I, I contacted the base public affairs, let them know what was going on. And they're like, well, we need you to come in and, and do all of this. But my primary concern is, you know, first and foremost, I'm a Air Force officer and pilot, and I have a mission to fly that day. So I said, the Forbes stuff can wait. It's time to go fly. Got in the zone, prepared for my flight, then just had a, a marvelous time flying over the ocean came back and was like, all right, I'll check my messages now and see what's going on. But it was, uh, it was definitely wow. a shock, but I'm appreciative of the opportunity to get to meet people from around the world that have, have done really incredible things. And if at all, to help advocate on behalf of volunteerism, bridging civil military gap and lending whatever I can to try to help folks around this world. What a glorious moment. So you had a nice flight to just really let that digest and marinate <laughs> and just uh, reap the benefits. And then who was the first non-military person you shared it with? Because I'm sure such a proud moment to share with family and friends. I think it was probably my mother. I can't remember if I called my mom or my dad first, but I let the family know. And I'm like, well, let's, uh, let's get ready for, for this because it's uh, somewhat unprecedented for the military. And um, if, if anything, it's just a, you know, another great opportunity to reach out to others and, and try to put a Yeah, spotlight. you reach a lar yeah. very large audience. I mean, most people think of entrepreneurs when they think of the Forbes list, but what most people don't know is that there's 20 different categories they pick from. So leaders, stars, celebrities, and entrepreneurs in 20 different categories, including yours, which was law and policy. So congratulations on making the list. Welcome to the team Thank and you. the squad. Uh, Julian, take us back to the very beginning, where you're from, where you grew up, and the path that ultimately led you to where you are today. Absolutely. So I was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. I come from a, 
a very long military family when my uh, ancestors a couple of generations ago, probably three or four, yeah, about four generations, came over from the old country. They came to the United States and they took a lot of their experience having served for generations prior, just for centuries in various armed forces overseas. And they took that to the United States, their adopted country, and we continued that legacy. Uh, that brought my family all around the country and also for my childhood. Now, my father is involved in aviation and is prior military. And uh, we, going between the private sector and the public sector, I moved a lot. So eventually we came to LaGrange, Georgia, my hometown in the western part of the state. Uh, great small town, a diverse group of folks. And I attended fifth grade onwards there. And my parents knew I liked to talk a lot, which I apologize if I speak too much on the show with my monologues, but enjoyed getting to interact with others and uh, theater. So they decided to throw me into some programs to, where I could harness creativity and be involved in leadership. So wherever I'm at in the world, I try to get involved. Uh, I really love volunteerism. I love the opportunity to find problems and figure out solutions with great folks. And especially for others to help me be a better person because there's a thousand weaknesses I have that I'm, I'm trying to improve on. And wherever I can be better and that will bring up other folks, it's always something I'm interested in. So as a student, I got involved in sports. I, was, I tried pretty much every sport I could until I found ones that I was decent at. And that ended up being you know, mostly combatives, wrestling, boxing, martial arts, involved in a lot of clubs. And when I was 14, I decided to start an online business as a way to figure out web design in case that was something I wanted to do when I was looking at schools. And I really wanted to attend the Air Force Academy for undergrad. I had my sight set on that for years. So I had a business I started. I was doing acting, uh, like drama club at the high school, and eventually got a part uh, as a, one of the main roles in a public broadcasting television show that was kind of like Degrassi. It was done by Georgia Public Broadcasting, the, the PBS affiliate in our state. And it was to teach lessons about getting people into technical education. So I tried my hand at that, continued with sports and technology composite, uh, competitions, uh, compositions for writing, speech making, ran for class office and, and did that, got to serve as the class president. And with a long-term focus on wanting to be a military officer, eventually got accepted to the Air Force Academy. And at 17, I headed off to basic training. Spent four years in Colorado Springs at the academy. I majored in political science with a Japanese minor. And while I was there, I got to jump out of airplanes, fly airplanes, uh, travel to Japan, uh, help out as one of the leaders for basic training, uh, do survival school. Just the opportunities I had, thanks to the Air Force at the academy, were phenomenal uh, for being able to test myself and learn from phenomenal officers, senior enlisted mentors. And at the end of it, I was like, well, what am I going to do next as far as my job? And I looked at a couple different ones before settling on being a pilot. Uh, a lot of the Air Force leadership or pilots, it's our bread and butter as the Air Force is aviation. And coming from a long military tradition where so many of my family members have served in combat, I wanted to do what I could to help people around the world especially during the trying times that we've had in the war on terror where uh, people have been subjected to violence uh, due to terrorism, uh, 
and all sorts of, of terrible evils around the world. So I graduated from school, got my commission from uh, President Obama at the time. He did our graduation, uh, went off as a second lieutenant, did a little bit of post-grad research and found myself in pilot training at Euro-NATO Joint Jet Pilot Training in Wichita Falls, Texas, where I got to fly or learn to fly with some of the finest uh, officers and, and now pilots from across the North Atlantic Tree Organization. So I flew primarily with German aviators as fellow students, as well as uh, ladies and gentlemen from all around Europe and as well as Canada. After there, they sent me to fly B-52s. And in the B-52s, I've gotten to deploy twice after becoming fully qualified. I went to Al-Udid Air Force Base or Al-Udid Air Base in Qatar for operations Inherent Resolve and Freedom Sentinel, which were against ISIS and the Taliban, respectively, uh, as well as getting to go to Guam, uh, primarily, where I focused on the continuous bomber presence, and that's deterring our adversaries and assuring our allies in the Pacific region. Uh, came back from that, and throughout my whole time, wherever I'm at, whether it was in Georgia or Colorado or Texas or Louisiana, I try to give back. And uh, to me, it's, it's just something that's been instilled by my family. I've been very fortunate in my life. There's been a lot of blessings, which I, I don't deserve. And what I can do with so much that I'm privileged to have is to give back to others who aren't as fortunate. So whether that's working with uh, Ethiopian orphans in Colorado, with young men and women in, in middle school and high school who are looking to further themselves through programs like the Civil Air Patrol that I was a cadet uh, in as a kid, or even overseas uh, with uh, volunteer actions in uh, the Middle East and in the Pacific. There's always an opportunity for each of us to help others, and that's something that's been very big for me. Um, some of the work that I did in the Middle East with the immigrant community in Qatar uh, a lot of individuals that, that came from Southeast Asia are very impoverished and sending money back to their families. I found ways to help them through repurposing discarded care packages that were sent for military members that we couldn't use and help give those and a lot of critical supplies to these families. That and my time serving with the incredible men and women of the 96 Expeditionary Bomb Squadron when I was over there for the liberation of Mosul and Oraka. Uh, received the attention of some folks in the media uh, through online channels or elsewhere. And when I found out about this, I was notified that I was selected as a nominee for the Air Force Times Airman of the Year. I absolutely did not think I was going to get it. That wasn't my intent with any of this uh, volunteer work or anything I do in the military to receive any recognition. But I'm very grateful uh, to the Military Times and the Air Force Times for introducing me to, like with the Forbes list, a, a great group of people in the military that try really hard to help those in their community or uh, through valor elsewhere. Now, Julian, not to interrupt, but no, please. for those that are listening that are non-military, what type of award is this? I mean, who gets the Airman of the Year Award? Because this sounds like a pretty big deal. So can you so the, explain it for those that are non-military, what this means? Certainly. So... There's a lot of different awards programs that are done within the military and outside of it. Usually when people think of military awards, it's like a, it, the Medal of Honor or an Air Force Cross or Distinguished Service Medal. Those are ones given by military leaders to 
soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen for either acts of valor or sustained performance. There's also awards outside of what you think of as medals or decorations that are done either internally or through external groups to recognize certain actions. Uh, the Service Member of the Year program was started by members of the media for, uh, I believe, specifically Sightline Media that owns uh, the Air Force Times, Navy Times, uh, Army Times. It's a collection of, of uh, newspapers, uh, magazines that focus on military issues and things that pertain to service members. They came up with this program to recognize uh, outstanding performance, both within uniform and in the community. So a combination of, of what it means to be a military member, as well as what it means to be a, a servant leader to others. Uh, I was submitted uh, by others for this program. And each year, the Military Times, through their kind of subsidiary magazines, recognizes folks for contributions. Uh, I've got to meet folks who did everything from uh, saving people's lives as rescue divers to setting up uh, suicide hotlines to help service members who are suffering from PTSD. So it's, it's a really wide group of folks that are in there. And wow. all of them very exceptional and inspire me to be a better person. Well, congratulations. Well-deserved. Uh, this Thank is you. incredible. But there's a, listen, there's a lot of people in the military and they're across the globe. What do you think was the single most important attribute that got you to where you are today that led to your success? What differentiates you from all the other military members out there? I think everyone in the military has a genuine desire to help others, to serve that's why no matter what career field you, you go into with the service, that there are so many people that are dedicated to doing their jobs and being there. Uh, something that I've always had a focus on in addition to that, trying to embody that service to others and, and where I falter, work on figuring out ways to improve. Uh, one of the big things I would say is innovation. Uh, that, that's something that's we're always looking for in the military, new ways to, to make processes better, to improve things where we can. And even when I was a cadet, I was looking for ways to do that from taking experiences that most people would not consider the norm for a military member, uh, the creative acting background from music. I, I was in a traveling acapella group and got to sing at the White House a couple times. It's, wow. it's taking these experiences that you wouldn't you know, equate with what you see in the movies for the military, figuring out lessons from that and applying them to different uh, problems, considering second and third order effects with strategic thinking and critical thinking and implementing that. So whether it was definitely gave you a very diverse experience, that's for sure. They did. I'm extremely grateful for them. Uh, they, they put up with a lot of the ridiculous schemes I did as a kid and have supported me uh, throughout the years. So what was one that maybe you think was unique or innovative that the military adopted or an idea that you put forth? I think a lot of the stuff that I focused on recently, especially through the Company Grade Officers Council, which you mentioned in the intro, it's a, an organization that helps bring different captains, lieutenants, so junior military officers together for specific purposes as sort of an ancillary program. Uh, one of the big things I focused on is helping provide knowledge of opportunities to give back. It's showing that volunteerism is an effective way of establishing yourself in your community and showing that 
individuals in the military and individuals in the civilian sector share so much together and where we may not totally understand each other, there are ways to help bridge that. Uh, when I was at Squadron Officer School, which is the Air Force's program for captains and some civil servants, where we focus on professional military education, it's how can we be better officers and future commanders. Uh, I wrote one of my papers on bridging the civil military gap. Essentially that uh, as the years have gone on since World War II and Vietnam, increasingly military members have represented a smaller and smaller percentage of the American population. You also see that members of the military are often coming from longstanding military families. They may be in particular regions like such as coming from the Southeast and the Midwest versus less often in New England. And a lot of folks don't really know people in the military anymore. It's like, oh yeah, I had a great uncle who served in Vietnam or, but, but they haven't really seen anything besides what they see in movies with The Rock. And The Rock is a great actor, but not everyone in the military is carrying, you know, a 50 caliber machine gun, you know, doing backflips out of a helicopter. That's it, not realistic. It's millions of people. The members aren't a monolith with plenty of jobs. So things that I've tried to bring about in the military is working with partner organizations on the outside, helping community members know that as a base, we are also there to help them to show that our national security depends on all of us. It's not just the military, it's, it's everybody. And where we can help figure out ways to help each other, it helps the United States as a whole. And with that, you know, global peace. So really connecting those that are living in civilian life versus those that are living in the military world. You're bridging that gap by bringing people together through volunteerism to see the connection between the relationships that you can build. Definitely. That's, that's spot on. Uh, There are ways that people that may not have either the time to join the military, maybe they don't want to do that full time or they have medical conditions that would not allow them to serve. There's still plenty of great ways to give back. One of the programs I really like that I've I've volunteered for since I was a kid is called the civil air patrol. It's the civilian auxiliary of the air force. There's about 60,000 members and it allows middle school and high school students to learn about the service through a program, kind of like boy scouts or girl scouts. And when they get through that, they don't necessarily join the military. They go into the civilian sector into college, but they're, armed with skills, with knowledge, a sense of discipline and purpose. I think it's very useful. There's also adults in the program. There are plenty of civilians, parents of these cadets that volunteer to help out with everything from uh, flying airplanes to teach folks how to fly, teaching leadership, uh, moral character, or even ground teams that help when aircraft fall out of the sky. They can do domestic search and rescue to help save lives. These are programs that civilians can join to really be a part of our our national security enterprise and give back to their communities as well. And it's showing folks that there are opportunities just like this in your neck of the woods that you can be a part of. That sounds incredible. So even if you might not be able to join the military, there's still ways that you can get connected with the military. I know here at McDill Air Force Base, they've been generous enough to have on-site events. They have the air show that civilians can go and attend. They even have a special operations command or CENTCOM do a a cool show with special forces in the Bay Area, which is really, really cool if you haven't already seen it. So much fun. But I like how you allow someone to get connected with the military, even if they're not going to join it. 
directly. So if they want to get involved, where would they go to find out more about that program you just mentioned? Absolutely. So to, to get involved with the Air Force Auxiliary, you can do a Google search for Civil Air Patrol or CAP. Uh, they also have a, a number of websites set up for recruiting. And it's, it's really great. When I was 15 years old, when I joined the program as a young cadet, it provided a lot of great lessons that have served me throughout my career. And many of my friends that have gone on to college and civilian careers learned so much from it as well. Great groups of, of young men and women that are in this program and the adult volunteers who dedicate their time to both help these kids as well as build up our communities is amazing. And seeing both sides, it's dichotomous between civilian life and military life. What's maybe the biggest myth that people have about your industry in the military? Wow, there are there's so many myths. Uh, I think when, when most people imagine the military, they think of like a, a Rambo character where most of us are you know, going behind enemy lines with, with weapons. I mean, this is mostly what's glorified in our media and it makes for great movies, but it's not necessarily accurate for what the average person in the military does. So in all of the branches on your base, on your fort or camp, uh, naval station, there are jobs like you would find in the, in the civilian sector. You have your folks who do finance. You have your folks that work on airplanes, that cook food, that are in charge of, of complaint processing, human resources, driving vehicles, imports, exports, acquisitions. Just about every normal job, I would say, in the civilian sector exists in the military. So everyone's got a different experience. And then, of course, you do have your, your special operators, your combat pilots, uh, infantry, artillery folks that are doing what we would consider like the combat applications. Those exist as well. But it doesn't also necessarily mean that person is deployed. Um, and with that, I think a lot of folks in the civilian sector have a lot of misconstrued conceptions about post-traumatic stress disorder or uh, military members when they finish their service, that it's like drill sergeants or, or people that are, are crippled by the things they've seen. Everyone has a different experience uh, that they take with them from the service. And there are plenty of amazing ways that service members and veterans can give back to companies and in their communities after they're done in the military. So it's not just someone with a gun running around like Rambo. There's a lot of opportunities within the military, people doing things from culinary arts, cooking to uh, mergers and acquisitions from a business standpoint. Sounds like there's a plethora, a multitude of opportunities. So you, and, and the best part is the military trains you for those. So you can come out of the military and be even more well-equipped to go into civilian life with a great background and business experience. And sounds like when I asked you the biggest attribute that you had that really set you apart, that made you outstanding from the rest was you were getting involved with the community. You were finding innovative ways to connect with those outside the military to help you stand out. What advice would you give someone that's in the military now or thinking about joining the military that wanna get the most out of their experience? For sure, for any young folks who are thinking about a life of public service in the armed forces, I would say, you can get ready to join at any time, but it definitely helps to start early, particularly for folks who are looking to be officers. So your lieutenants, captains, all the way up to generals or admirals. Um, with that, it's making good decisions, 
studying hard in school, uh, avoiding drugs or alcohol, uh, you know, getting in trouble with the law or anything like that. Focusing on fitness. Fitness is important no matter if you're doing uh, a combat job or a support job. It's, it's important to work out, run. I mean, during the pandemic, I, I've been doing a lot of running and fitness at the house as well or around the neighborhood. So fitness is important. And then it's figuring out what you want to do and thinking about what you want to do afterwards. So for folks who maybe not, don't want to serve full time, you've got the reserves, um, the National Guard and the Air National Guard, um, also great options to, to give back. So there, there's a lot of interesting things that you can do. And for folks that are within the military already, they're looking to give back to others. Uh, and I, I love doing this with a lot of my friends that are in the Air Force or the other branches. It's just finding out what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about uh, education or folks in minority communities, uh, the poor, the, the elderly? It's pinpointing those and then linking up with organizations that can help facilitate your desire to give back by providing the material or resources. And if that doesn't exist, it's maybe coming up with it yourself and just diving in there. Coming up with an innovative idea like you did. And if not, Air Force might help you leverage the resources that they have available to help you be more of an entrepreneur, thinking entrepreneurial, but within the company. Exactly. Yeah. We're we're always looking for innovation ideas uh, within the military as well. So. Speaking of PTSD, I have a a close friend of mine who's in the military, uh, Joe Barry, who founded, he's a veteran, founded Deep Sky Coffee, a coffee company, and they donate a percentage of every coffee bag to PTSD psychedelic research at Johns Hopkins University. This is becoming more and more prevalent as a, a way to use psychedelics for treatment for the military. And it's the first time in world history we have something like this. So it's amazing what can be utilized for helping you know, veterans and, and people that are experiencing some of this trouble and how they can transition back into the civilian community. Do you have any experience with this or has this come across your plate yet? No, I, that's uh, far outside of my knowledge spectrum, unfortunately. I, I certainly have friends who have seen uh, some uh, very striking things overseas and that have found ways to be helped through a, a myriad of different programs or counseling. Uh, so hopefully there are, there are more opportunities for, for veterans and, and folks as, as well in the civilian community that are struggling with uh, either anxiety or trauma to, to find ways to help move through that uh, to have a, a more peaceful life. Beautiful. And Julian, along your journey, what's been maybe the biggest lesson you learned that maybe you wished you had learned sooner? I think one of the biggest ones is recognizing where you are weak, where you can improve and reaching out for help. Uh, There are a lot of times when, when I was younger that I was perhaps a bit dismissive of the idea of reaching out to someone when I, when I needed help. The first thing that pops in my mind was my calculus two course freshman year at the Academy and during freshman year at the Air Force Academy, uh, it's a lot of things that most people wouldn't equate with your normal college experience. Uh, we, you wear your uniform every day while you're a cadet. Uh, you've got physical training. It's very regimented. At my time, you couldn't listen to music or watch movies. It was a very strict environment. Uh, I did love it. But uh, when all that's going on and I was in calculus class, 
I was getting a little lost. I uh, validated out of the first calc course, thanks to uh, a great AP calc teacher in high school. And I probably about a month or two into the course, I realized, I don't think I'm really following everything that's going on right now. And instead of just, you know, being uh, in control of my destiny and, and recognizing where I was faltering and just going, hey, I, th- I think I'm lost. It wasn't until towards the end of the course that I finally went to the professor. Hey, you know, I don't really know how to do a lot of this right now. Uh, can you help me out? And by then, even with studying uh, the the course, although I certainly passed, it was not as well as I would have liked to have done. It was after that, uh, speaking with some mentors that I made, that I found out the importance of mentorship, the importance of finding either peers or folks in your industry or outside of it that are great leaders and can help you be a better person. I understand you're in executive coaching uh, from, from looking through your stuff. So I can imagine yeah. that's something that's very important to you and, and that your clients have recognized that when someone keeps you accountable, when someone provides different ideas, you're going to get better. I've got mentors through leadership organizations that are, my age or younger, as well as senior mentors, and I can run ideas off of them. And that's definitely helped me to become a more effective leader. And I will continue to strive in the military outside of it to do so every day, because it's what our subordinates, our airmen deserve. It's what the American people deserves. It sounds like you had a great AP Calc teacher. And it sounds like a pivotal person in your life, but who are the most pivotal people in your life outside of that, your mentor, your coach? So I'm going to bring it back to a different high school teacher who has, who's truly been an incredible mentor, uh, probably one of the closest people outside of my family. And that was, uh, his name's John Riggs. And he was my drama teacher in high school. He led my drama camps in middle school. Uh, and I spent many, many afternoons and evenings uh, with our International Thespian Society troop, uh, with his family, because I'm, I'm very good friends with his kids who are, who are my age. And through the years, this incredible creative and leader who uh, is a Vietnam veteran and uh, a true empath of working with so many people, young students throughout his, his career, his lessons certainly helped me and shaped me to be the person I am today. And I know he made a tremendous impact on everyone that he instructed. So throughout uh, high school, my time at the Air Force Academy and thereafter, it's, there's so much that I'm grateful for that was only possible due to people telling me, this is how you can become better and sharing ideas and the lessons they've learned over time. And that's why it's really important to, to me to do the same for others. Mentors and coaches are so important. And then being able to be a mentor and coach yourself to give back and it helps you ingrain the knowledge even deeper. So that's excellent, Julian. Thanks for sharing. And let's transition now into something I like to call the under 30 seconds round. I'm going to fire off a few questions, answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book and why? Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I read a Stoic entry every morning. I love the Stoic uh, philosophers, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus, uh, Zeno of Sidium, brilliant philosophers. I love philosophy and theology. 
And to me, this is just a wonderful book, even as a bathroom read. Great one. And Marcus Aurelius is, is phenomenal. I love the stoicism approach. And there's an Instagram handle called The Daily Stoic. Uh, I think it's oh, by yeah. Ryan Holiday. And it's so great because you get a nice little stoic philosopher quote each day. And one of my favorite stoic philosophies is picking a kato. If you remember the famous stoic philosopher kato, the, the saying pick a kato means pick someone that sets the example for how you want to live. So what would X do in this situation? So that way, anytime you come across a difficult decision, kato is a very famous one that a lot of people pick. But for you in your life, who is your kato? Who's the person that if, they, if you were in a certain difficult decision, you ask yourself, what would this person do in that situation? It helps you and guides you to a better decision-making, more informed decision-making. This is beautiful. This is actually one of the things I'm, I'm really passionate about. Uh, another website, similar to the Daily Stoic, uh, The Art of Manliness had an article a long time ago on having like a internal board of directors, folks that you would read their biographies and you would try to think about when you're making a decision what they would do. And I, I love that concept. For me, I look to examples like Theodore Roosevelt, who I think was just an incredible human being and leader, uh, one, one of our, our finest for sure. Uh, I think of uh, Miyamoto Musashi, a Japanese philosopher, warrior, uh, Michael McGivney, a Catholic priest who founded the Knights of Columbus and, and really worked tirelessly for uh, the poor uh, during an earlier pandemic uh, as well. And uh, you've got you know Jonah of Arc. There are so many great people, but ultimately Teddy Roosevelt would be number one. Like he's awesome. There you have it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Teddy Roosevelt can be your kato. Number two, what's yeah. one of the best investments and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why? Best investment and it's it's definitely going to the Air Force Academy. Like uh, going there from when I was 17 to 21, phenomenal for helping develop me to make me better to learn from so many other people worst investment while i was at the academy i invested in uh, precious metals uh, through a mutual fund when i was a cadet and it was like oh everything from my investments course it looks like it's going up and unfortunately it was right at the the apex the zenith for for gold and silver at that time still waiting for it to bounce back that was my worst investment what's the most impactful thing you do in your morning routine and the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine? So morning routine is actually, because you mentioned the Daily Stoic. I, I read the, the Daily Stoic in the morning. Uh, I, I think it's great. Not an official endorsement by the government or anything. It's a great book. Uh, I think it's legit. So that's my morning routine. I wake up, I, I check the news, I read that, and try to focus on a, a weekly virtue that I, I think about and meditate on each week. For my evenings, especially during the pandemic, it's been running. I get back from work, uh, do my, my standard nonprofit or volunteer work in the evenings. And when I'm done with that, I go on a run. And that, that helps clear my mind, uh, gets that focus back on fitness, listens to some music instead of the news. And I think that's a great respite from the day. There you go. Number four, pretend you won the Peter Thiel Fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. What's the very first thing you do to start a new business? I would get together a group of individuals I trust from all different sectors and find out where there are opportunities to aid others. 
Uh, it would definitely be a nonprofit, uh, although I'm interested in a lot of opportunities uh, outside the military uh, for, for when I, I do eventually leave the service, as we all do, into the civilian sector. There's so much that can be done in the nonprofit world, even on the side as a, a volunteer, as an investor. So it'd be finding ways to help through innovation, underrepresented causes, uh, boldly. Good answer. And last question in this round, what's something you never knew you needed? I never knew that I needed to use Zoom so much as I have the past couple months. But it's, and I don't mean that specifically this, this application, but all of the webcams, the interconnectivity of technology, it has really been so helpful. Like this discussion we're having now, considering we're on, you know, thousand miles away. Uh, this is great. I've been able to connect with friends and family, uh, people in all different sectors, be able to work. Uh, it's amazing what technology can allow us to do. So. Beautiful. Well, Julian, thank you so much for being here today. Before you go, what's next for you? What's the next big goal, milestone, or bucket list item you want to achieve? The next big thing for me, um, as an Air Force officer, I'm working on becoming the best instructor pilot I can, uh, the best flight commander I can be for my aircrew flight equipment and survival airmen that I'm, I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to lead. Continue to focus on becoming a better leader and as a volunteer or in policy, figure out ways to, to leverage what I can to help others. Good answer. And Julian, where do listeners go to connect with you directly? Sure thing. I am, uh, if they want to connect, they can go on Instagram. I'm currently at, at Julian R. Gluck. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can go to juliangluck.com. Right now, it just goes to my LinkedIn. But we've been very busy uh, during the pandemic and everything else. But eventually, I'll have something set up with the hopes of helping people find ways to, to volunteer and give back. And if there's any way that I can help as well. Perfect. Please go connect with Julian and we'll put those in the show notes. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. This is Julian with juliangluck.com who gives back and closes the divide between the military and the civilians. We learned so much today. We learned how to pick a kato. We learned how to give back to your community and we learned how to close that divide and how to get involved with the military, even if you're a civilian. Julian, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. Phil, thank you very much. And to all the listeners as well, I, I appreciate it. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>